Ladies and gentlemen, just a word of warning. If any of you are not convinced that you have a tingler of your own, the next time you are frightened in the dark, don't scream. Greetings, ladies and ghouls, and welcome to Pod of Horror, where every day is Halloween. We have such sights to show you. Here is your host, Glenn G. Rod Rodriguez. The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Everybody, it is time again for Pot of Horror Season 3, Episode 1. And it's been a long time since we did one of these. And uh, also, I should say, welcome to October, October 1st. We were supposed to do this last night, but Hurricane Ian decided to take a dump on North Carolina, too. So um, we decided to push it back. But hey, it's October 1st. This is how we should kick off October, and uh, I'm excited, and you should be too. This is the first of three specials we're going to be doing back-to-back weeks, um, back-to-back-to-back. So this week we have Halloween 2018, next week we got Halloween Kills, and then the week after that, the day after it premieres, Halloween ends to talk about those films. I'm so excited. Like We've been lucky enough to have a whole bunch of Halloween movies, right? Um, over the years, and we finally got a new one in 2018 after, I don't know, it was like, we're going to go over this too, because I have I have a cool segment coming up here to talk about Halloween movies that were unmade. We're going to be doing three, uh, one today, one next week, and one uh, um, the following week, where it's been this long period of time without a Halloween film, and it's crazy how the film business worked, but we'll get into that, we'll get into that. Uh but we're back. It's been a while. I think the last episode we did was, believe it or not, was the Halloween Roundtable uh, review for Halloween Kills. And that was like last year at this time. So um, we're going to revisit all these movies and give you you know, what I think uh, years later, like a year later and then two years later, three years later, because 2018 was like another lifetime ago because of the pandemic. So... It's interesting, and I'm just ready to do this, ready to do this. So, it just just because this is a different uh, version of this podcast, we're going to be doing segments. We're going to be talking about a film each time, like we usually do, but I've added uh, new segments as we go uh, throughout um, this season, and the first segment we're going to be doing tonight is What's Happening in Horror? I have two little cool little pieces of uh, fun little tidbits about what's going on in horror right now. Uh, two things that I think are really cool to talk about. Um, and then we're going to do Unmade Halloween, which is a segment that I've been looking forward to do since getting this book for Christmas, um, where we talk about Unmade Halloween movies. And that is specifically for when we talk about Halloween. So, yes, that's going to be great. Um, and so let's just get right into this, right? We should just get right into 
the thick of things and let us go into what is happening in horror right now because I think it's uh it's important to talk about this stuff because it's 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 the good shit. So instead of this one, we're gonna go here first. Let me just make sure my screen matches everything. So we're gonna go here and we're going to uh let me turn this music off because we're not talking about Halloween right yet. Um our friends at Phantom Wire uh, posted this really awesome article about the promotion for the movie Smile. So if you haven't seen the trailer for Smile, um, you've been probably living under a rock or just don't care, right? And that's fine because we don't have time to see you know everything and watch everything. Life happens. But Smile is this upcoming horror movie. And it's the, the trailer is creepy as hell. It's like I always found smiles to be gorgeous and also really creepy. It depends on the person. Um, so lately, they've been doing this promotion for the movie at baseball games, which is a very strange way of doing it. But they are they killed it. I think they really like changed the game of how to promote a movie. So basically. Uh, some of these games um, had people in the front row, uh, right behind home plate, with a shirt that's a smile, and they're smiling, and they're caught on camera. Like, this woman right here was caught on camera the most, and, like, she's just, you just, you're watching the game, you're like, why is that person smiling? Now, if you have no idea what smile is, you're going to be creeped out, and you're going to be freaked out. I know I was just watching the trailer, and if I didn't know and I saw this, I'd be like, what the hell is going on with that person? Is she mentally ill? Is there something going to happen? I don't know. I mean, look at this. <laughs> the smile is incredibly creepy. Anyway, so there was a whole bunch of people. There was this person. Um, let's, like, zoom into this so we can get a, you know, a nice tweet out of this. Uh, let's see if this pops up. Yeah, so this person right here. Like, that. I, I can't even, I can't. I just can't. That's just, that's going to give me nightmares all day. Now, if you're listening to this in the podcast version, I will link this in the description so you guys can go check out the picture that I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, she, this woman here was behind the home plate. I don't know what game it was. I think it might have been uh, the Mets, possibly the Mets versus the Oakland A's. Because I know the A's are right here, the athletics. Um, but she was just behind home plate. And I don't understand how like people around her are like, like kind of like look not really paying attention. But if we go to um, back to this one. Uh, yeah, let's this picture, um, which is really funny. Um, you could see her reaction right here is the reaction. I think everyone would be. Uh, going after uh, or having uh, seeing this just like who the fuck is this who is this person smiling at me it's 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 absolutely freaking creepy and I think it's a hell of a job for um, the film for to promote it because it's like horror movies right now are, are, are a big thing they've, they've kind of had this renaissance of being in the mainstream again but I don't think smile is one that is really picked up on a radar until this happened um but if you're like a horror nerd like us uh here at pot of horror or if you're watching you're probably a horror nerd 
um, you knew about this movie. But now people know about this movie, and I hope everyone goes sees it. I heard it's really good. I heard it's creepy. But I really thought it would be interesting to talk about this marketing because the last time someone did something cool like this for a movie, um, in my mind, the, the best film that really like did the whole marketing campaign like the viral marketing campaign like the best was cloverfield they used uh, myspace pages they used websites they used video um to really tell a story before you even saw the movie they kind of give you the back story on some of the characters and if they were real um and i remember when the trailer of that came out like there wasn't any like uh, vanity cards in front of the trailer, which vanity cards are like, you know, um, like Paramount Pictures logo, uh, Motion logo or whatever. Um, there was none of that. It literally just the trailer before um, the movie Transformers started was just like, boom, you're in this like, um, someone you're watching a, a, a tape from a video camera and you're seeing this party and all this stuff starts to happen. And then it cuts to a date and that's it. And then it goes right into the movie. You're like, what the hell is going on? What was that? Like, it was perfect viral marketing campaign for me, at least. I think it's like they, they nailed it. And I love that movie. So um, it makes sense to do things like that to kind of get, like, the, it's it's a different way of marketing. It's it's different than just doing the press junkets or doing the, um, you know, posters and, and interviews and all that good stuff that you, you see now. Um, it just takes it a step further in getting your product known and product uh uh, liked or at least noticed and um, you know WWE is actually doing something like this now with uh, the song White Rabbit and, and there, there's a new character coming into WWE it's like a horror character I think they're bringing back someone from the past who was a horror character and they're doing this kind of special viral campaign where you know they're they're doing things outside the box it's called transformative media so um, it's it's more than just trailers and things. It's just you're using other forms of media to promote your product. I think it's great. I think movies should do this more often. Um, if they could do it to the effect like this smile, I'm all about it. I'm all on board. So I thought that was a really cool thing happening on horror right now that we should talk about. And next, uh, the next thing we have here is something that... Um, Pertains to what we're talking about the next three weeks, and that is the new Halloween tri uh, trilogy, um, and it's about to end. And they just put out this really cool little game. Um, let me actually uh, move this over so you can actually see what's happening. Um, let's see. There we go. Do that. Um so they just released this really cool game. It's escape.halloweenmovie.com. It's a little flash game um, where you try to um, escape Michael, your Lori, and you're going through Haddonfield, the streets of Haddonfield, and, and the woods and stuff like that. And it's just you know, a really fun game to play. And there's like a top score thing. You have to beat a time. I think the highest time the last time I checked was like five minutes of just like looping over trying to, to, to stay away from Michael. And this brought to me uh, uh, like a, a thing in my head that I thought would be really cool is if we finally get a Halloween game. Now, Michael is in and Laurie is in uh, Dead by Daylight. But I really thought Halloween should get their own game. And this is probably like, the closest we'll get to like you know the original NES Halloween game that came out a long time ago. So let's go ahead and play this. I thought it would be really cool to play this on stream real quick just to see how well we do. And for everyone who's listening to us on audio... 
Um, this will be cut out, so you won't hear it. You'll just hear us go right to the next segment, so bear with us. Um, but here to you people watching live, you get a little treat. So let's do this game. So you have to like go back and forth without tripping. Each weapon you pick up puts Michael back further. So that's what we want to do. Let's see if I can escape this for a while. The sewers of Haddonfield. Oh god. Come on. <gasps> oh, he's close. <laughs> there we go. Looks like the highest time is what does that say? Um six hundred and ninety one minutes. So someone went like a really long time apparently. But I thought this was a cool little um addition to the Halloween lore so you can just go play this game. It's escape.halloweenmovie.com That oh, was interesting. I thought you um, would have fun with that. Uh, I only survived a minute and 30 seconds. Um, I think last night when I played it the first time, I lasted about three, but it wasn't like, you know, I mean, look, people are lasting over an hour here now, and um, I don't have that much time, so <laughs> I don't want to bore you by playing this game but hey go out and play it it's there and um let's go right into our next segment and this one i'm very excited to do because i've been waiting to do this for a while so let's go to unmade halloween so i got this book for christmas um I got two of them, and this is the second book. And uh, a few of my favorite podcasts have been talking about this, and it's um, it looks like a textbook. Uh, it's called Taking Shape 2, and it's a book about all the undeveloped Lost Halloween sequels that were never made, and it's literally filled with stuff. I could tell you, like... Let's see. Let me go to the uh, the um, table of contents. I mean, there's different drafts for Halloween 4, different version of Halloween 5, a different version of Halloween 6. There's a couple here. Um, a different version of uh, um, Halloween H2O, which was called Halloween 7, The Two Faces of Evil. Uh, there's the Hellraiser crossover, which we will be talking about next week. That'll be one that should be fine um, to talk about, or really awesome to talk about. Halloween 3D, Halloween 3.0, Platinum Dunes Halloween, the reboot trilogy that uh, Steph Hutchinson, who's been close to the Halloween franchise forever, wanted to do. Halloween Asylum, and then the one that we're going to be talking about today, which I'm very excited to talk about, is called Halloween uh, Returns, which I did read the script for. 
because um, it was released. Someone put it out, which is awesome. And I, I love when they put out these scripts that are never made and they're official and they're real. But you should get this book if you're a big fan of Halloween. I recommend it. Uh, lots of knowledge in here that you would never thought of, you know, like all these movies that were almost made that never got to see a light of day. I think that's uh, really cool. But let's talk about um, Halloween Returns. Now, Halloween Returns was something that I heard about around the time that they were talking about making this. And I'm going to go over a series of events. I have my notes here in front of me um, of, like, you know, how this was about to be made. I'll give you a couple little plot points. I don't want to ruin it for you because um, the book will give you a lot more than I can give you. Um... Let's see. Let me pull up my notes here. Should it be? Okay. So, around this time, it was uh, 2013, and the third or fifth anniversary um, of the franchise was coming up. And there was no word on anything happening. Um, Like, there was maybe a murmur of something maybe being written, but no one knew what it was. And then in the next year it came, 2014, and it marked five years since Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, which we all know was divisive. It was a very divisive film. I've come to grow to like it, but I know a lot of people don't, and that's totally okay. That's totally fine. Um, there was word that Halloween 3D, which was going to be a direct sequel to Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, um, was going to be made and went through multiple passes, but failed to reach anything substantial, like a lot of movies in Hollywood tend to tend to fall into that category where a script is bought put put on the shelf never to be made um that year a halloween uh complete blu-ray box set came out via screen factory including the fame producers cut for halloween 6 which i went to um the screening the first ever like public screening since like the uh, test screenings of halloween 6 back in 95 i believe 96 um and it was the producer's cut, and the producer uh, and writer, uh, Daniel Ferens, um, was there, and he was talking about it and everything, and it was cool. And then eventually it came out on Blu-ray, which is awesome, because a lot of people have been after that. It's like a like a famed version of that movie. That It's, it's completely different. It's like a totally different story. Um, and it's really, it's really fun. Uh, but that came out. So a lot of fans were like, all right, well, at least we're getting something, you know? And then... Um, a Platinum Dunes, who's it's a production company from Michael Bay, uh, was to do a collab to make a new Halloween film, uh, but that came and gone without you know anything reaching the production stage. And then there was rumblings of another Halloween 3D try. Um, they were going around uh, the the Cannes Film Festival. Bloody disgusting reported that on April 30th, 2014. Which would have been interesting. I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like the Friday the 13th remake, which was a Platinum Dunes um, film. But, you know, to each their own. I didn't think it was that bad after watching it years later. I think when I first saw it, I didn't like it. But, like, years later, I liked it. And then later, same day, uh, Scout Taylor Compton, who played um, Laurie Strode in Rob Zombie's Halloween's, uh, the, their movies, um, came out to kind of confirm the the uh the the news saying that she's going to be coming back in the mind of Laurie Strode again and then in October 2014 uh reports of a screenplay titled Halloween the Next Chapter came out but were refuted by Trankis uh International who owns the rights of Halloween um and then finally February 9th 2015 the Hollywood Reporter unofficially announced that the next Halloween was to be written by Patrick Melton 
and Marcus Dunstan, most known for um, the Saw franchise. And the movie would be called Halloween Returns and would sort of be a retcon to the original Halloween 2 um, back in the 80s. Uh, but would keep a character from that one, uh, from that movie, um, Deputy Gary Hunt, um, in this new timeline. So basically, we have Halloween 78, and then we would have Halloween Returns, which would have been cool. You know, I mean, that's what they kind of did with this new uh, trilogy, which we will be talking about the new movie um, or the new trilogy here soon. But a little bit of uh, uh, the, the plot points, I'll give you like the full plot. Halloween Returns will pit a new group of Haddonfield youngsters against Myers. The now 18-year-old child of one of Myers' victims plays a central role along with the child of a cop who has long been obsessed with the Myers case, even putting it before his own daughter. Myers is now on death row. Very interesting. We'll talk about that. And the two kids with their own personal vendettas against the killer sneak in to watch his execution. But when things go awry and Myers escapes, the pair along with their friends, find themselves in the firing line, as all good Halloween movies tend to be. Um, I remember reading the script, man, and it was definitely intense. And I'm going to give you some of the plot points just from the beginning of the movie to kind of set you up. And then I, I, you should go read it. I don't want to spoil, her the, whole, spoil the whole film. Um, so the movie starts off basically, uh, right where Halloween 78 leaves off. Michael escapes after being shot six times by Loomis. Michael is wounded and he's, uh, you know, kind of stalking through the streets of Haddonfield to, you know, the cops are looking for him. Uh, he attacks a teenager named Karen who seeks refuge at, uh, Deputy Gary uh, Hunt's house. And then, um, things go awry when Michael shows up and attacks Gary's wife in front of their son and kills her. And it's a very brutal scene. Um, and then the shape follows Karen outside where he's apprehended by Hunt and Dr. Paul Rogers, who is um, um, a therapist uh, uh, at Smith's Grove, just like Dr. Loomis was. Um, Rogers begs Michael to stop as he kills. He, you know, he says he killed everyone. You killed everyone, Michael. You need to stop. We need, we need you to put your knife down. Come with us. And then Michael actually listens and surrenders. And they kind of borrowed this little plot point for Halloween Kills, which we'll talk about next week. Um, so he's sentenced to death in his own death row. And then 10 years later, the day before Halloween is when he's expected to be executed by lethal injection. Um, Sophia, the daughter of Dr. Rogers and Gary's son, Noah, who we saw as a young kid in the beginning of the movie, uh, his name's Noah, are dating now. And they're the two that go and sneak into the execution. Now this execution, everyone's like, you know, finally we're going to kill this dude. You know, he he's, he wrecked havoc on this night. It's like a small town and we had nothing really has ever happened in the small town. And like and he kills his sister, comes back home and kills all these teenagers. Um, so everyone's just kind of waiting for this to happen. And as the execution begins, the unconventional drug mixture to kill the, uh, the slasher fails and instead spikes his adrenaline. And this enables the shape to break free and just wreak havoc. I mean, if you remember Halloween 6, the um, where they're going to... Uh, I don't know. Who, what were they doing? Were they like... They were doing... Were they about to do surgery on something? And I forget what they were doing. There's, there's a bunch of doctors go into this room and are about to do surgery. And I forget what they're doing. But then Michael goes in and 
starts massacring. I mean, blood everywhere, just straight up jacking everyone's shit. <laughs> and uh, this is basically what this was, as, as as you read the script. And it's just mayhem, uh, you know, just everywhere. And as this is happening, there's a storm brewing outside and cuts the power to the facility and causes a utility room to catch fire. And as this is all going on, people are dying. People are trying to escape. Um, the power, there's no power, so the the the, uh, the sanitarium people are like all you know around. And um, Michael escapes into the night. And um, the prison officials though say that he died in a fire, but he didn't. And Gary Rod or um, uh, what's his name, um, Doctor Rogers, Doctor Paul Rogers believes he died. So after that, that's when there is um, your typical Halloween movie where Michael is stalking these kids. And I believe there's a really, really cool um, Silver Shamrock uh, Halloween 3 um, Easter egg in it, which is awesome. So um, go and find the script. I will link the script in in the description of this podcast and go and read it. It's a very, very interesting take on, on, on the lore. I would have loved to see this movie. I know after reading, I'm like, oh, man, I really wish this was made. And obviously it didn't get made because it didn't happen. You never heard of Halloween Returns. And and it just just didn't get to, to the point where they wanted to, you know, to get it made. And, and I think this was around the time, too, where um, all the stuff started happening with Harvey Weinstein, too. So, like, Miramax and all that started to crumble. Um, so we didn't get this one. But... It's okay because we did get Halloween 2018. Um, And next week during this segment, we're going to be talking about the Hellraiser crossover that never happened. And as you know, we have a new Hellraiser coming out next week. And I am a big fan of the the Cenobites, Clive Barker's story, the Hellbound Heart, and everything to do um, with the Hellraiser franchise. So look forward to that next week on Unmade Halloween. Now let's get to why we are here. And that is Halloween 2018, um, which brought back Michael Myers to the screen. And if you haven't seen the trailer, you haven't seen Halloween 2018, here's a little taste right now. Trick or treat! So my house is here. Which one should we go to? They're all spooky. I'm going to pick that one over on the street. Forty years ago, on Halloween night, Michael Myers murdered three people. After that horrific night, he was sent back to the institution in captivity.
kill him. The bus crashed. Michael Myers escaped. He'll return to Haddonfield, his home. I need to protect my family. You have no security system, Karen. Mom, you need help. Evil is real. reason we're supposed to be afraid of this night i've been preparing for this for a long time it is not safe to be on the street tonight go home get out of here get inside michael he's here he is a killer but he will be killed tonight happy halloween michael The trailer for 2018, the Halloween 2018 edition, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy Matichuk, Judy Greer, and James Jude Courtney as the shape Michael Myers himself, which he's awesome, by the way. We'll talk about that. Directed by David Gordon Green, written by Jeff Fradley, Danny McBride. Yes, that Danny McBride and David Gordon Green. Um... Little history to this. I mean, I'm a big Halloween fan, so we've been waiting for this to happen for for years. So when we finally got this, we were like really crazy. Like we're like, whoa, Danny McBride of all people are making are are putting this together. But hey, I like this movie, so he did a good job. That's all I have to say. But there is a little bit of touch of Danny McBride in this film, which we will talk about. But knowing. But knowing that John Carpenter and Jamie Lee were coming back is a fantastic uh, touch. Yes, we've seen Jamie Lee in uh, H2O, and then she did her part in Resurrection, which she only did that for a payday. Let's be let's let, let's be real. Um, but they came back, and but like I think the bigger deal is that they got John back. John was never going to come back to the Halloween series after the first original first one. He. They, they asked him to do a sequel. He didn't want to. He wrote it. Didn't care about it. He was drunk half the time he wrote it. Um, he came up with the idea of Michael being being uh, um, Laurie's uh, brother um, just on a whim. Uh, it caught on because a lot of fans like that storyline. But And then I remember I don't think he liked the movie at all. Didn't like what Rick Rosenthal did with it. So to have him back in a uh, producer role and creative like creative like force and also doing the score which we will talk about too um was it's just it it felt right it felt like the time was right for him to come back and and it all came together um so i'm gonna break it down for you i'm not gonna go scene by scene i'm just gonna talk a little bit about like certain things i liked about the movie um and things that i thought maybe should be different and we'll we'll get to that too so the introduction of the film is intense it involves two podcasters true crime podcasters obviously because this day and age that's what everyone loves to talk about is true crime um are at smith's grove uh, sanitarium there to interview uh dr zartain and to try to get a word with michael michael hasn't spoken has never spoken since we've 
um, seen him in in except for Halloween Two, Rob Zombie. I think he says die. I think he like yells die, which we won't talk about that. Um, I thought it was cool the nice little touch that uh, the Zartan line that says uh, Michael was aware of them coming. Like, oh, he saw you. You know, he's aware. He he's 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 astute, but like he just doesn't doesn't talk. You know, he's calculated. He's smart. He knows that he's this force and he uses it well basically and you know i love the scene where they're at in the courtyard and um the 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 podcaster has the mask and he's holding the mask um up and michael kind of just like turns a little bit because he can feel the power coming from the mask and there's always been a rumor that that's like the source of his power but it's never actually came to be it's just a theory that a lot of people like to use um, and then Zart- this is Artane's introduction. This is like the, the we don't have Loomis. Loomis, um, you know, Donald Pleasant's passed away a while ago, so we like recasting Loomis would probably be weird. But hey, we talk about Halloween Kills and how they did that, and 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 maybe they could have. Who knows? Um, and he, he's 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 different. He's 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 a little bit more of a, interested in Michael instead of trying to keep him away so we go we'll get back to him later because he plays a pretty big part in this movie um and then the opening credit sequence was is like a pumpkin um inflating meaning halloween is back we're getting this this return feeling and it feels good and i remember being in the theater opening night and everyone just clapping when the the the, the theme hit and uh it just felt it felt right we were back into this uh this world of haddonfield um and we get right into it where the podcasters are trying to interview Lori. They go to her compound. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it's like built ready for like something to go down. And that's what you find out that she's been waiting for him. She's been waiting for him so she can kill him. Um, not only do they want to interview Lori. They want Lori to go talk to Michael. They want to like a face-to-face confrontation. Which obviously it's not what the kind of face-to-face confrontation that Lori wants. Um... You know, Lori knowing that Michael's a monster and, and like, the podcasters are just looking at it as, like, this is just another serial killer. Yes, he's a monster, but, like, he's just, like, Dahmer or Game or, or Bundy or anything like that. But Lori knows that she that Michael's more than just a normal serial killer. He's a monster. He's pure evil. Um, and the podcasters not really figuring that out. They will, but <laughs> they're not figuring that out is, uh, is interesting. Um Um, I love that, you know, Lori knew that he wasn't going to be locked away forever, that he was going to escape eventually. When she says the line, you know, like they tell her that he's going to be, you know, moved over to a a more tighter um, security uh, compound um, prison. They lock him away forever. And she goes, that's the idea. But part of her, you could tell, by the way, like like she wants to believe that it's going to be okay, that Michael's going to be gone forever, but she knows deep down that it's not. And you can see it in her face. It's the way that Jamie Lee acts in that scene, and it's perfect. It, I think it's perfect. Um, and then, you know, they she wants her money. That She doesn't want them to be in the house anymore after trying to get you know them to uh, get her to go talk to Michael. And then we cut to the introduction of... Um, Allison's family, Allison Strode, um, who 
uh, is played by Andy Manichuk. And we got to have our Danny McBride moment in, in this where um, her father says, uh, oh, I just dropped peanut butter on my penis. And I just always thought that was, didn't really need to be in the movie, but I know that's Danny McBride. Like, hey, I wrote this. I'm going to put my little touch on it, even though I'm not in the movie. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. I thought that was funny. Um, but right off the bat, Allison feels like a legit predecessor to Laurie as the final girl in the series. I think it's, you know, they picked a really good actress to play that part. Um, and she feels like a legit teen. You know, she doesn't feel like a overwritten teen or an underwritten teen. She's like right, right there, the perfect part. Um, and then we see her with her friends and this is when they start talking about, you know, you know, Michael and like how her grandmother, you know, has been through all this stuff and the town's been through all this stuff. And they right off the bat, they talk about that rumor that Michael is Lori's uh, brother. And Allison's like, no, nah, that's just something that someone made up to make themselves feel better or something, which there's the retcon, there's the explanation because people are like going to try to figure out like, how are they going to explain that and write that off? Because that's what people think. The, the general audience know that was like the storyline you know they're not hardcore fans like us that know every little detail or every little piece of news that comes out so right there said it out loud i thought that was good um and then we get to the classroom where we get kind of the same setup where uh the teacher's talking about fate and um allison's sitting in the back like Lori's sitting in the back uh and pj souls who played linda in the original halloween is the voice so that's a little easter egg um, but instead of Michael being the one watching Allison, it's Lori watching Allison, which I always thought was really, really cool, like a uh, way to pull that back, that that classic scene back, but like change it up a little bit. I thought that was really cool. Um, Lori is just Sarah Connor. That's basically what she is in this. She's ready to to kill this guy, but still has PTSD from what happened to her. Um, you know, still dealing with that loss of her friends and like just kind of the life that she led after that. Just always wondering if this guy was going to come back. Um, but she's still also kind of militant. She's got she's, she's got a shooting range in her house. The, the compound is set up to to fight. She's ready to fight. So she's basically Sarah Connor, and I love that. Um, then we get this uh, prison montage, which I think is one of my favorite parts of the film, and this is where the score comes in too. Um, we also get a really cool Easter egg with Loomis, uh, uh, a voice actor doing a really good job of doing a Loomis impression, um, is doing a testimony. Um, the podcasters are listening to a, a tape and, um, he's talking about how Myers should, um, should go away forever, should die. And there's a part in it too, where the tape messes up and like the, the voice changes and it's creepy, but it makes sense. Um, but that's a great touch. Uh, but uh, it's hauntingly beautiful, um, this whole scene. Because they're listening to that, and the prisoners are getting ready to be transferred. Lori's there at the prison, and she's drinking in her truck. And the score is just, like, super haunting. And um, there's a scene where she's like she starts to scream, and there's, like, the silhouette of Michael like, kind of coming towards her in the light, which is kind of just something to freak us out. And it's perfect. Um, you know, the family will never know really the trauma until later in the film. And you know that, uh, you know, growing up, um, Judy Greer's character, who is, um, Lori's, um, 
daughter, Karen, um, had to lead this life of like, you know, my mom has been haunted by this thing and she won't get over it. And like, I need to get over it to move on in my life. So I'm not even going to worry about it. But then they get pulled into this stuff. And um, every time they, they try to shoot her down and say, hey, you, you, you need to like, you know, go on your meds, stop drinking. You know, you need to forget about this. It's not going to happen. Everything's fine. Well, that changes later in the movie for sure. Um, uh, so there is a really cool scene where um, uh, let's see um, where Michael escapes the 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 bus. Like the bus is already crashed. Um, Will Patton gets called, who is the the cop on the on the scene, and. Um, he has to go investigate. So before that, though, we get a, a car or a truck with a kid and a father and a um, son, and they're, they're having like a discussion um, and all that. And like they see all these people in the in the street on this highway, and it's all the you know mental patients in this that you know or outside of this uh, crashed bus. The dad goes to investigate, but the dad never comes back. The son goes to investigate. He has a he has a gun, a rifle, and he shoots Doctor Sartain. When Doctor Sartain goes, "Don't shoot!" He like pops out of nowhere, so the kid's you know scared. So he runs back. He calls nine one one, but then Michael is in the back seat and chokes him out. And it's kind of reminiscent from the, the original Halloween where uh, Annie dies. So it's a nice little touch there. To there's a lot of Easter eggs, and we'll get into those too. Um, like I said, though, Will Patton is the cop on the scene after that happens. Finds Doctor Sartain. Um, and I thought this was an underdog casting choice. Uh, Will Patton has been in everything, always kills it. Remember Titans, uh, Armageddon, movies like that. Then we get into this really cool bathroom scene, um, where they're at this, um, gas station and, um, the podcasters are there. The, uh, Dana, the, the female podcaster goes to the bathroom and Michael's already been there. He's killing uh, the mechanic in the other room where um, Dana is talking to the cashier, like, hey, do you have a bathroom? And you can see it in the background, and like, somehow they don't hear it, which, whatever. But um, that's happening. So Michael has the overalls on at this point, and he comes into the bathroom, starts opening the stall. It's kind of like reminiscent of Halloween H2O. And then he knows that uh, Dana's in one of them, so she, he stops. And when he stops, he kind of, like, floats. Like, he kind of, like, strides over past the door that she's at. And if you look really close, you have to pause it. He's smiling. And I always thought the way that Michael killed people and set up bodies when people would, like, come into houses and was, like, looking to see what's going on. Um, and especially in this movie, too. He likes to play tricks. He's kind of a trickster. Um, so I always thought, like, under the mask, he's having a good-ass time killing all these people. And I think this really really proved that to me because that smile is just literally there and that could have been just James Hugh Courtney doing that for fun and they kept it in the movie but like I always thought that Michael was just having a good time doing his thing but that's just me um so he kills Dana um Aaron the the the, the guy podcaster comes in and starts starts to try to beat up Michael but ends up losing gets like beaten ahead a few times but I always thought that he didn't die because they didn't show him, like, dead. The last shot of him is in the corner. 
He's bloody in the head and he's breathing heavy. His eyes are closing, but he's still breathing. He's still alive. And it just looks like he's just kind of resting. And you don't ever see him, but he never comes back. never gets brought up again after that. So, um, but you never see a dead body. So maybe he's in this new movie. Maybe he's not. I know he's doing uh, uh, House of the Dragon, uh, Game of Thrones. So he's okay. He might not, he not. He might not come back. He doesn't need to come back. Um, some of the other really cool parts of this movie. Uh, the kid who's being um, looked over or uh, babysat by Allison's friend was hilarious. He is what how kids are these days. And I thought like a lot of people said that the comedy in this movie was a little too much. But I thought it was funny and it was a, a really good, you know, a perfect time for that to happen. Um, uh, because it was kind of a down point between things that were happening. And he was just like a normal kid. And that whole scene with him coming down, telling his babysitter and the boyfriend that, uh, you know, there's someone in the room. He's standing behind the closet door. Uh, he's breathing. Um, and then, you know, her finding out that he's at Michael's in the house and he kills uh, both the boyfriend and and the, the friend, uh, the girl. It's just typical Halloween butchery and it's awesome. And uh, very nice touch. I like the way like he like drags her and like the camera like is like looking up at Michael. Perfect. Um, but let's get to... Uh, well, before we get to that, let's talk about the score because this next part, um, after Allison's boyfriend basically cheats on her in front of him, uh, Cameron, um, she starts to walk home with, uh, the other friend in the group, I forget his name. Um, but they're walking and, you know, he's like, oh, you know, you deserve so much better. You know, you're, you're the prettiest and nicest girl in school. And like, he's drunk and he like kind of starts to put the moves on her. And Allison's like, no, just because I'm not with him doesn't mean I want to be with you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Michael is in the yard where that happens. And the kid is sitting in the yard and like, um, he starts to talk to her or starts to talk to him and, um, he calls him Mr. Elrod, which is a nice throwback to the original Halloween 2. And, uh, the, what do they call that? The um, motion detector lights go on and off. So there's this really cool scene where my, where the lights go off and Michael, like, kind of walks away. And then he's, like, on the other side and the lights go back on. And he's like, oh, why are you doing it? You're, you're, you're being creepy, man. And then they go off again. And then and eventually when they come back on, he attacks. And the kid starts running towards the gate. Can't get over the gate. And Michael stabs him to death and then impales him which is crazy and he's screaming and Allison can hear this and Allison thinks to go back and she does and then she sees that he's dead and there's a score piece that comes on that John Carpenter did um with his son Cody and Daniel Davies um which I will play in the background for you here because um, it's freaking amazing it's in the promo for this for the our return it's called the shape haunts Allison and this piece of music is just incredible. It's the best piece of music in the new Halloween trilogy so far in my mind. Hopefully the new movie has some good good pieces of music. But just the the keys here. The do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And then um, here it comes. That part. Which is basically a distorted guitar with a bow. Like a bow that you would play like a um, violin with. But man, this score is incredible. And it's a it's a return to form for um, 
John Carpenter, and it's it's classic John Carpenter, the, the synth style that he always brings to the table. Um, always, always welcomed and always and always revered, and I'm so happy to actually have that on vinyl because as soon as I heard that song, I was like, I'm buying this on vinyl when it comes out. Um, and I eventually did. It was like a year later, though. So, um, after that, that's when the, the, the kind of the mark of the movie where people start to kind of divide themselves. And it's just only this little part. So, if you haven't seen this, um, and you're listening to this, I've been spoiling the whole movie. So, if you don't care, listen uh, on. So, Dr. Zartain, there's a scene where Dr. Zartain, where he's talking to Will Patton's character, um, Deputy Hawkins, where he's like, you know, we, 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 we always think of the victim, but we don't ever think about the victimizer, the, the killer. Like, what is he thinking? What is he feeling? What is he, you know, what's, what's the feeling inside of him when he's doing these things, you know? And obviously, no one wants to think of that because who cares, right? But this doctor wants to get to the bottom of that. Maybe there's a way to, you know, figure that out and maybe the, maybe the way to stop killers in their tracks, but for him, it's a it's this game. He wants to feel. So they when they pick up Allison from that scene, um, they're driving and uh, they they hit Michael. They hit Michael and uh, um, Hawkins, played by Will Patton, goes out to check on him. As Artane goes out with them and like they want to like bring him in and. Zartane's like, no, don't do that. And Zartane takes out his uh, pen and it stabs Will Patton in the in the throat and basically kills him. Or we think he kills him. And then there's a scene right after that. So it's just a, the next shot where um, Allison's looking out to the um, out to see what's going on. She's in the back seat of the cop car and just kind of just hovers up or just kind of like stands up as Zartane in this, this the cop jacket that he's like covered with to keep warm and Michael's mask it's the most ridiculous looking thing ever and I know people grunted in the theater when I saw it and I know a lot of people who reviewed this movie did not like that part I know we did the round table for the first movie um when we reviewed it um we talked about how this scene was going to be divisive and no one knew what to think of it. No one liked it. I know Cody didn't like it. I know Colin didn't like it. I was like kind of in between. Um, you're totally in Pixie. Uh, shout out to uh, Pixie in the chat. Thank you for coming. Um, we're in the midst of this, so buckle up. But the Zartane scene is just so weird. And I get the whole, he wants to understand, but like it just felt really out of place in the movie. But I, like as I look back at it now, it doesn't bother me as much. So... He gets in the car, he puts Michael in the back seat with Lori, and he takes the mask off and throws it into the seat with him. And then they get into the car, and then he proceeds to run over um, Hawkins. And then uh, he's talking to Allison, and, like, you know, I, I want to know what's going on, and, you know, what I want to know what's going on with Michael inside, and all this stuff. And, you know, I want to get him to speak, and Allison goes, No, I heard him speak. And, like, Sartine's like, You heard him speak? What did he say? When did he talk? And he's like, she's like, well, if you stop, I will tell you what he said. It was one word, right? And um, she kind of starts to see that Michael's waking up. So, like, <laughs> they're heading towards Lori's house compound. And they stop on this, like, pathway when, you know, she's like, dude, stop. I'll tell you what he said. And then Michael wakes up and 
shit starts to go down. Allison runs away, and he kills Artane. He stomps him right in his head, and it's amazing. It's such a great scene, and it's like a good way to get rid of that character that people started just to turn on after that whole that whole situation. Um, and then we get this really really awesome standoff scene. Um, which is my favorite part of the movie is when the things start happening in the, in Lori's compound. Michael tries to break in. Um, she shoots off his fingers, and then they go down to the the comp the 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 basement, which is like a hidden basement in the fortress with guns and stuff, and like it's like a survival pit basically. And um, that's when Michael starts to hide upstairs, and all this like Lori's going through each room and like you know like clearing it and shutting like this metal door like it's like these like uh electric doors that shut so like no one can get in and get out they're basically like you know locking down this place and eventually she finds them in this room full of mannequins which is kind of a creepy thing because he's like kind of standing in there and it's just it's lit perfectly it's awesome and then um they get into a scuffle he throws her off the balcony and then that's when Allison comes in through the front door and it's like, hey, is there someone there? Is anyone here? And um, and then that's when Karen calls out to her and Michael looks and then kind of looks back down and Lori's not on the ground anymore off the balcony, which is a nice throwback to the way Halloween one ends. And then Allison goes downstairs. Michael goes to find um, Allison and Karen and Karen gets her gun, which is carved KS. And she's, like, kind of debating if she's going to do this. She holds Allison back. And, like, she aims the gun up towards the, um, the, the, the top of the stairs of the, the basement. And she's crying. She's like, I can't do this, Mom. Where are you? Where are you? I can't do this. Allison's crying. No one, you know, it's, it's all crazy. Michael shows up. And then her, her demeanor changes to, gotcha, shoots him. And it's incredible, dude. It's such an incredible moment. I remember in the theater everyone just went nuts because it was like we were led to believe that she just didn't want part of any part of this life she didn't want anything she just wanted to forget about michael and stuff she thought her mom was crazy but no she was ready when the time was needed she was ready strong women characters are always welcome in horror films and like basically they're the final girls they're the ones that make it all the time and this was another really awesome way to make a strong female. all three of them strong um, and then Michael falls back. Lori's in the in the shadows in the closet, stabs him. Um, they get him to fall down the stairs. He's like trying to get back up, you know, the the, the stairs of the basement. Um, grabs, I think, Karen's leg, but like they get Karen out. And then Allison stabs Michael. Michael falls down the stairs again. And then bar, like um, Karen is like trying to like um, do this lever. She's trying to pull it back, and she pulls it back, and it's these bars that like just these metal bars that go through each side and it's a trap to keep him down there and then they set the the house ablaze and that is how the movie ends with them escaping the house getting in a truck Allison's still holding the knife and and yeah and that's how the movie ends uh it's an incredible ending the original I know a lot of people thought it was fast and I know the original ending was a little bit more divisive the original ending was supposed to be like this really weird knife fight with Lori and Michael in the middle of the yard. And then Michael gets shot with like a burning 
bow and arrow like thing and then goes into the woods by himself and kind of just stands there it's a weird ending i'm glad it didn't do that um but i know everyone thought the sleep ending was fast but i thought it was perfect when i rewatched it again the other day it was like the first time i watched it in a long time i thought it was a perfect way to end the movie it was it was paced out fine and you know i guess back then i think people wanted more but whatever it happened um but Looking back at this movie uh, a couple years later, man, it's 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 crazy that we finally got a Halloween movie, finally, right? And it was really good, and it was um, we were worried because they were retconning everything, and they were retconning the brother sister aspect. They were doing all that crazy stuff, and but they succeeded with this, and it's um, a really good addition into the lore and the franchise. And um, for me, it's definitely. Uh, up there, I'm gonna pull up my um, letterbox. Uh, let's see, where am I here? Do I have my letterbox thing up here? If you don't know what letterbox is, if you're a movie fan, um, it's a social media website um, where you get to review movies and um, log, like log your reviews and stuff. It's just strictly for that kind of stuff. Let me see if I still have it. Here it is. So I have my Halloween rankings here. I should have actually made a scene for this in OBS, but I didn't. Let's see if I'm logged in. Um, I will tell you where this stands in my Halloween um, list here. Uh, Halloween rankings. Because I think I just, I did move them around a lot. Um, So it sits right now in sixth place of all the Halloween movies ever made, including Halloween 3. Um... And that doesn't mean it sucks, it just means just out of all the movies, this is where it sits, right? And eventually when Halloween Ends comes uh, out and I watch that and then, you know, I do a retrospect on all those. And like, you know, obviously throughout Halloween, I'm going to be watching all the movies. This this list might change. It, it changes every year. Um, but right now, Halloween 2018 sits at sixth place in my Halloween rankings. Um, Halloween 1, Halloween 2... Halloween 3, Halloween 6, Halloween Kills, Halloween 2018 um, is the top 6 there. Um, And then the rest after that. Um, But I give this movie, and I still stand by this, 4 stars. I thought it was a a great entry into the franchise, a way to come back. Do I wish we would have got Halloween Returns, the movie that we talked about uh, prior to reviewing this movie? Um, if you missed it, go back on uh, the video on the man or the audio podcast where we talk about unmade Halloween movies. We're doing one each week. This week we started with Halloween Returns. Next week we'll be talking about the Halloween Hellraiser crossover. Would I would like to see the Halloween Returns movie instead of this one? Maybe. But this was great. I'm excited to move forward and talk about Halloween Kills next week, which is what we're going to be doing. What did you think about Halloween 2018? Did you like it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Um, For those who are listening via uh, Twitch, let us know in the chat. We're here to talk a little bit. Um, And if you're listening to this via audio or watching this video playback on YouTube or um, Spotify or whatever, uh, leave us us a message. Leave us a comment or tweet us at Pod of Horror Show uh, and let us know how you felt about this movie. Um, It's one of those... It's still that I mean I think movies these days are a divisive anyway, and especially in horror. Um, what a big franchise! I think you just have two sets of fans that want something different, and that's totally fine. But it can get tribalistic out there. 
Um, and I know it did with this. Um, I definitely know it did it with Halloween Kills, and we'll talk about that next week. Um, and how tribalistic that movie made people. Um, but yeah. But yes. Um, but yeah, next week we're going to be talking about Halloween Kills. And next week we'll be talking about um, Halloween uh, and the Hellraiser crossover. So like I said, if you missed it earlier, um, I got this book for Christmas. It's called uh, Taking Shape 2. I have the first one too, which is basically about the Halloween, the original franchise. Um, But this has all the unmade sequels and, and movies that were never, you know... They were unmade, and it's got a whole bunch of stuff in here. And we talked about Halloween Returns today. Next week we'll be talking about Halloween and Hellraiser, the crossover that never happened. Which, out of all the 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 crossovers that have happened or haven't happened or haven't even been talked about, we got Freddy vs. Jason in a film form. We got Freddy vs. Jason versus Ash in comic book form. What would have been like? If Halloween, Michael Myers, and the Cenobites cross paths. We'll never know, because it'll never be made. But we got the details in this book, and we'll talk about them next week. All I know is, I had a good time tonight. I really hope you had a good time tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in, um, wherever you are. Are you tuning in via Twitch or tuning in via uh, audio podcast? Wherever you are, I appreciate you. Next week, we talk about Halloween Kills um, next Friday. And then the following week, it's a Saturday, uh, we will be talking about how this trilogy ends, Halloween ends. I'm very excited to see that. I can't wait. It's been a long time coming. Because remember, we were supposed to get Halloween Kills like two years ago because of the pandemic. We had to wait a year. So when we finally got it, it was like, oh, can't wait to see this. So... Halloween ends is uh, been on that radar as well, and uh, yeah, yeah. So you can follow us on all social media: Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Yes, we have a TikTok. You can watch us there, listen to us there, whatever on all podcast platforms too. At Pod of Horror Show, um, we're back. I'm excited to go through this journey with you again. Um, we're going to try to remain as 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 uh, constant and 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 being uh, you know being around and doing shows. Um, that is something I'm working on personally in life is being consistent with stuff. So I want to be consistent with this, and this <laughs> is really cool to be back. So we'll be talking about a whole bunch of different movies, a whole bunch of different things, different segments. It's not just going to be me blabbing uh, about movies. We're going to have guests. Um, we're going to do game nights. It's going to be great. And um, this isn't the last you hear from the show, obviously. You'll be seeing us next week when we talk about Halloween kills uh, and all that good stuff. So for me, I am Glenn Rodriguez. And you have been listening to Pot of Horror, where every day is Halloween. And always remember... Halloween or not Halloween horror <laughs> and Halloween is forever later on guys <laughs>